Warren Burger, not the former Supreme Court Justice, but author and journalist Warren Burger has written a best-selling new book entitled A More Beautiful Question, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas. You probably have heard of it or maybe not have heard of it. But in his book, he argues that we are all looking for better answers in life about a whole range of things. But before we can get to the right answers, the better answers, we first have to learn how to ask the better questions, the right questions. And in his book, Warren Berger presents a number of well-researched stories demonstrating that the most creative, successful people in the world also tend to be expert questioners. They have learned the art of inquiry raising questions nobody else is asking and finding answers everybody else is seeking. Warren Berger examines such businesses as Google, Netflix, Airbnb, among others, to show how inquiry and questioning is built into the DNA of these different organizations. And he shares lots of inspiring stories of everyday people, teachers, artists, entrepreneurs, basement tinkerers, among others, who've changed their lives and changed the world around them by starting with a beautiful question. So you're wondering, so what is a beautiful question? Warren Berger puts it like this. I define it as a question that challenges assumptions. Why are we doing things the way we have done them for the past 20 years? What if we tried X or Y? A beautiful question shifts the way we think about something and often sets in motion a process that can result in change. The title of the book a more beautiful question comes from the poet E.E. E. Cummings. You know the guy who never used capital letters? That's the one. E.E. E. Cummings who wrote, always the beautiful answer who asks a more beautiful question. Well, in today's gospel lesson, a man comes before Jesus with a question. But is he asking the beautiful question? Is he asking the right question? That becomes the theme for preaching today, asking the right question as we focus on week number two of our four-week fall stewardship series, Consecrated Lord to Thee. May the Lord's rich and abundant blessing rest upon the preaching and the hearing and the living of his word for Jesus' sake. So we actually get two installments from this section of scripture here in Mark chapter 10. The first half is today, and the second half will be next Sunday. And sometimes this account in the gospel lesson, all found in Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel and Luke's gospel, is entitled, The Rich Young Ruler. 
But Mark doesn't say anything about the man being uh, either young or a ruler. He just simply says, a man ran up and knelt before Jesus. Now Matthew's account says that he's a young man, and Luke's account identifies him as being a ruler. But all three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, agree that he was very rich and he had great possessions. We don't even know his name. That's not important. But he comes up. He addresses Jesus respectfully, calling him good teacher. And the man asks his question in all sincerity, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Is he asking the right question? Sounds like a fair question, right? Well, Jesus directs him back to the Ten Commandments, God's covenant with his people at Mount Sinai after he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. God then at Mount Sinai laid out how they were to be in relationship with God as well as with one another. Jesus refers him back to the commandments to which the man replies, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. So the man's question, as well as his response, are revealing. What must I do? All these I have kept. Lots of I language going on here. Which would seem to mean that the man is looking to himself and his own efforts to make himself right with God and gain heaven. Do we do the same? Well, that's what an image might have looked like with what we have before us in today's gospel. Here's what it might look like today. <laughs> Driving a fancy sports car, dress nicely. Well, at any rate, Mark alone records that phrase which we read together, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Neither Matthew nor Luke have that phrase, Mark alone. And it is out of love, not judgment, that Jesus offers the man an open door to the full and abundant life which Jesus himself came to bring. The irony here is that wherever we look in life, we are bombarded with messaging which tells us that if we want that full and abundant life, it's going to come through products and possessions. Hmm. Funny thing, though, that the more we have of these products and possessions, we think they will fulfill us, we think they will satisfy us, but they never really do, do they? Maybe for a little while, but then it kind of goes away and we have to go bigger and better. Another funny thing is that the products and possessions can come to own us rather than the other way around. Every year now, for more than 10 years, our congregation has sent a team of people to Haiti. Some folks have gone every single one of those years, and other folks like me have gone once. 
But there's a phrase that our team of people on our Haiti servant team have learned from the people of Haiti, the most impoverished nation in the Western Hemisphere, and that phrase is this, you'll never know God is all you need until God is all you have. That's a profound saying and a great deal of truth behind it. So when all of the stuff, all the products, all the possessions are stripped away, then what's left? What remains? Well, the man in today's gospel lesson, he had great possessions, he had great wealth, but behind this facade of security based on a superabundance of material goods was a heart that had lost its security, that had lost its delight in the Lord. I believe the man was searching. He was looking for something to give him focus, meaning purpose in life because the products and possessions weren't doing it. He comes to Jesus dissatisfied. And so Jesus calls on him then to do something very radical. He calls on him to let it go. Let it all go. Sell all of those products and possessions and wealth. Give it to the poor and then come and follow Jesus. And in so doing, he would know real treasure. That is a radical call to discipleship. And this kind of sacrifice is not going to be appropriate in every call to discipleship. But Jesus did call for it in this particular situation with this particular individual. But it was too much. The man couldn't do it or he wouldn't do it. And so we're told he went away sorrowful. He was disheartened. But that word sorrowful doesn't really do justice to the original word here, which says literally his countenance, his face fell. It implies a darkening of features, sort of like when nature around us darkens before a coming storm. Wow. So that's a pretty apt picture of the dejection and the disappointment that was etched on the man's face. The point here is that whatever possessions, whatever wealth we may have, whether it be a little or whether it be a lot, it all comes from God, the maker and the owner of heaven and earth. All of these things that have been placed into our hands have been entrusted to our care for a time to manage wisely and well, not just for our own pleasure, but for the good of others, to bless the lives of others, especially those who are in need. 
If we listen to that word of the Lord from the prophet Amos in the Old Testament lesson for this morning, that word thunders out through Amos, who calls us to hate evil, to do good, to establish justice. You see, the Lord God calls us not just to avoid the evil, he also calls upon us to do the good. He calls us to dig in, roll up our sleeves, and get our hands dirty, even as Jesus himself came not to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for us all. The historian and statesman Edmund Burke famously wrote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So here then is a tie-in to that fourth mission practice as we strive to join Jesus on his mission in daily life, wherever that may be, at home, in the neighborhood, at school, at work, wherever the Lord places us in our vocation in daily life, that is our mission field. And the fourth mission practice and its attending question is doing good. What is the good God calls us to do here? Because at the end of the day, the Lord doesn't need our possessions. He doesn't need our products. He doesn't need our wealth or money. The Lord's looking for something far more important, something far more valuable than the stuff of this life. The Lord is looking for our hearts and the devotion and the love which spring forth from that heart in gratitude and thanksgiving to the Lord and all he has done for us. What is the good we can do around here? Perhaps that moves us a little bit closer to asking what is the beautiful question? What is the right question? Our greatest possession, our our highest wealth is not going to be savings accounts. It's not going to be IRAs or investment portfolios and the like. We all have need of these things, of course, because we live in this world. We got bills to pay. You got to put food on the table. You have to put kids through college, doing that right now, and plan for retirement and a whole bunch of stuff. All of these are a given without question. But when all is said and done, it is that simple, childlike faith and trust in what God in Christ has done for us. The blood-bought redemption through Jesus Christ and his suffering and death upon the cross, his glorious resurrection from the dead, Jesus is our priceless treasure. That's what it's about. And when we depart this life, and we all must, you can't take any of it with you. You can't. It all gets left behind, all the products, all the possessions, 
And we can only say with Paul the Apostle, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. So true. So when we come to Jesus, as the man did in today's gospel lesson, asking questions that maybe aren't the right questions at all, misguided, questions rooted in sin and self, Jesus looks on us as he looked on that man. Jesus looking at him loved him. If you don't take anything else away from that service today, take that. Know that Jesus loves you and shed his life for you. You belong to him. And my friends, that is where stewardship begins. It begins in the saving love of God who did not spare the life of his only begotten son, but freely gave him up for us all. So in response to this undeserved, this amazing gift, what is the beautiful question? What is the right question that we should be asking ourselves? It might be as simple as this. How then are we to live? The hymn of the day, which we'll sing in just a moment, has one of its stanzas as this. As you, Lord, have lived for others, so may we for others live. Freely have your gifts been granted, freely may your servants give. Yours the gold, yours the silver, yours the wealth of land and sea. We, but stewards of your bounty, held in solemn trust will be. May our gracious Lord, who loves us and gave himself for us, enable us by the power of the Holy Spirit to ask the right question, the beautiful question that will draw us closer to him, enabling us to grow as his consecrated stewards. May God make it so, for Jesus' sake. Amen.